You are now listening to Men Who Talk Heal, a podcast that normalizes conversations about mental health and promotes personal well-being. Whether you're here for yourself or someone else, this podcast is sure to have something for everyone. Our hosts, Zach, a social worker, and Brandon, a certified life and health coach, discuss their own personal and professional experiences so that others don't feel alone in their own struggles. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and or their guests and are not representative of any other entity. Additionally, this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should discuss your personal needs and concerns with a medical or mental health professional. If you are experiencing a medical or mental health emergency, you should call 911 or proceed to your nearest emergency department. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Men Who Talk Heal. I'm Zach. He's Brandon. Hey. Hopefully we can talk and heal my ankle and your virus. <laughs> Which virus at oh this Oh, my God. Sorry we missed last week. Brandon was sick, and I um, it was injured. <laughs> and I was, I'm ill, everybody. <laughs> I sound ill. I have gotten better and then gotten worse. It's a thing. And I have suffered a severe high ankle strain and um, am in a boot. How do you how do you sprain your ankle? Well, it uh, I was um, in a very riveted uh, high energy uh, game of high lie. Mm. And for those who don't know what high lie is, it's those. Uh, that game that has the little um, devices with the handles and the scoop on them, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you toss the ball back and forth. Gotcha. And I was playing that with Aiden, and he tossed the ball, and I uh, went to go get it, and um, in my route to the ball, uh, hit a divot in the yard, yeah. uh, and my ankle in the divot took a 90-degree turn inward, yeah. Uh, there was a loud snapping noise mm-hmm. uh, and then an intense pain through my entire body. Um, and then I, in a heap, went to the ground and thought my ankle was shattered into a million pieces. You did say, yep, that broke it. Yeah. 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 This is all on security, the home camera footage on the back of the house. Mm-hmm. So it is all caught on camera. And so I did yell out, oh, that's broken. Mm-hmm. And then I fell to the ground. And then I started crying and screaming mm-hmm. a profanity. Um, and so um, then I felt a lot of nausea and like mm. I was going to pass out every time I tried yeah. to get up. So just called the ambulance and uh, they took me to the hospital because I really did think it was broken in a thousand places yeah. because I was in so much pain or dislocated. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out wasn't just severely, severely sprained. Nice. Um, so saw sports medicine because I am an athlete and it did happen while playing a sport. Yeah. So I am athlete, not a paid sponsor. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, severe high ankle sprain and um, was in a splint and non-weight bearing for a week. And now I'm in a boot and up and walking around um, with a little bit of pain. Did a lot yesterday Yeah, around the house and outside the house in the boot and was... I'm pretty sore at the end of the day yesterday, but doing okay. So yeah, yeah. I've never ridden in an ambulance. Well, you know, I'm really I used, jealous. Well, yeah, you, you used know, to drive one. I used to drive one. I used to work in the back of one. Yeah. Um, Did it feel natural? Did you get in? You were like, oh, hello, old friend. Or 
No, I I was I was like, give me the medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have it. Give it to me. Give me the medicine. Yeah. yeah no. Um, also, it's extremely embarrassing. I really did not want to go in the ambulance, but I also was not confident that I could get to the car. Mm. So, yeah, I'm shocked I wasn't called. Call me a wuss if you want. I thought yeah. it was broken in a thousand places. I'm still shocked it's not broken. Yeah, I could have picked you up. You know, Literally, physically, I could have oh, picked yeah. you up and, and yeah. taken you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to lay there any longer. <laughs> That's fair. Next time. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to lay there any longer. So, so yeah, so that's what, um, so that's what's going on with me. So doctor says like these take like eight weeks to heal. So mm-hmm. you'll be ready for the postseason. Oh, the, the highlight postseason or baseball, whichever or baseball. one you yeah. want to go. Whichever. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So hopefully the, you know, the guardians are in the postseason. They're doing well. So, so yeah. what's going on? So you're ill. So you've got not COVID. Yeah, I, I do not have COVID. Um, I've tested myself plenty of times. It's come back negative every single time. Um, never lost my sense of taste or smell. So that was key indicator that it wasn't COVID. I always had a little bit of taste left. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been sick for about two weeks now. It really knocked it knocked me out. So viral syndrome not otherwise specified. Yeah. 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 And uh I have eaten more soup in the last two weeks than I, I have soup. in probably the last twenty years of my life. Also ramen. Like if you don't want to just eat soup, eat ramen. You don't like ramen? No. At all? No. Jess, do you like ramen? She loves no. ramen. Oh god, no. I really do enjoy ramen. I mean, is it the noodle texture? Is it like the wet noodle no, it, thing? No, the noodles don't bother me. It's the oh. it's the soup. Do, do you not like, so do you don't like porridge or anything like no. that? No. Have you ever had porridge? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't like soup. Period. You don't like hot liquids? No. Really? I have an aversion to hot liquid, yeah. You drink coffee, though. I do. You prefer I do. iced. I do prefer iced coffee, yeah. yeah. Do you drink iced coffee in the wintertime? I do. Yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah. There's some people out there that are really like anti-iced coffee, period. Like coffee should only be a hot beverage. I prefer iced coffee in the winter and then warm coffee in the summer. That's weird. Yeah, it's flipped. Like when I'm cold, I want to stay cold. But when I'm warm, I'm just like I'm already warm. Might as well add to it. I don't like the feeling that I get from soup. Like I don't like the hot feeling in my gut. You know how it like sloshes around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Now I do now I don't mind now see now we're gonna be way off. It's base. Fine. This happens all the time. It's okay. We it takes us forever to get to what we're actually it's talking fine. about. Fine. This is entertaining. We I, I don't mind like a um a bisque? Like more of a bisque type, like uh, like I don't mind like a gnocchi, like a chicken and gnocchi, oh, like uh, like Jess makes the the replica Olive Garden, not a paid sponsor, chicken and gnocchi soup, which yeah. I think is better than the actual Olive Garden chicken and gnocchi soup. I've never had this. Why have I never had this? You're gonna make me something. It's okay. a great fall dish. It's a great fall. Normally, dish. Normally, can we make that for Halloween instead of chili? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's abandon the chili because <laughs> we've been doing chili heartburn. Long time. Yeah, you know? heartburn. Right. Um, um, yeah. Let's do that. Or I like a nice, um, like a chicken enchilada, like a nice cheesy chicken oh, yeah, enchilada. Yeah. Soup. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Something a little thicker. Like uh, I don't like chicken noodle soup. Like within, when it's just a brothy, mm-hmm. I, I'm just not a fan. It's like 
just like hot water to me. I don't know. I, you also don't drink tea. No, I, yeah. yeah, I'm not a hot tea fan. You think it's garbage water? Yeah. Yeah, pigeon sweat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a real good, yeah. yeah. Matcha is like lake water. Like, I think, oh, matcha, come on. I, think, I think matcha was literally scooped out of the algae bloom in Lake Erie. Like, <laughs> it's I an think acquired that's what taste. it is. I will say it's an acquired I taste. I think that's what it is. I think it smells like that. I think it, that's exactly what it was. So, uh, so you know, it's a coffee alternative, right? Matcha. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. It's like a healthier caffeine. Don't care. Okay. Don't care. It tastes like the bottom of Lake Erie. How do you know what that is? <laughs> I mean, I've swam in Lake Erie, and I've and you swallowed the water on accident. Yes. Okay. I thought you, I thought you were going to say on purpose. No, I didn't like go out there with a straw and was like, "Oh, I'm thirsty." Yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Refreshing, like so. Okay, so <laughs> another another. This is Lake Erie related. So, my friend and his family have a lake house. Yeah, on Lake Erie, they have ever since I've known them. And he told me... When Congratulations he, on all their success. Yeah. <laughs> he told me, he was like, you're not going to believe it, but if you have a cut or anything on your body that's like fresh and you go into Lake Erie, it will heal it. And I said, no, get out of here. If anything, it's going to give me an infection. And he was like, no, I don't know what it is, but it works. Yeah, it'll heal it because there's some nasty microbe in there that isn't that's foreign to the human body. So let's fast forward to about five years ago. Uh-huh. All right. I cut my toe because we had to like go down into the water and right. like there was like rocks. Sharp rocks. Over the yeah. rocks there was like a metal cage in my <laughs> one of my toes to keep shipwreck. Yeah. Right. To keep to keep the rocks in place for when the oh, waves okay. hit. Yeah. And so I cut my toe on the metal. And like it was a it was a gusher. I already had my tetanus. Okay. I was safe. I knew that. But like it was a gusher. And so I like I, I bandaged it up and everything like that. And then I went in the water the next day and it closed it and you could barely see the cut. I was shocked. So anyway, moral story is Lake Erie has healing power and or infectious powers, yeah. whichever way you look at it. I think you it. take a fifty fifty shot. I yeah. think you're either gonna get healed or Flesh-eating, necrotizing fascia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, within reason. Like, if you need stitches, do not go into Lake Erie. It's going to get worse. <laughs> also, we are not condoning Lake Erie as a medical... No, please uh, don't. ...cure for anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well... It's the same lake that was set on fire, right? Well, the river... Or, yeah. The Chicago River was set on fire. Okay. They've cleaned it up a lot. Yeah, the, the otters are so. the otters are returning. A lot of the wildlife is returning. We have, what otters? You didn't know that we have otters in the Cuyahoga River. I didn't know. A that. lot of the wildlife left because it was so dirty, and it's since they've done a lot of things to clean it up. Now a lot of the wildlife is returning. The otters are returning. I didn't know otters were native to like Ohio. They are. They are interesting. Yes. Interesting. The more you know, otters you are like more ferocious than you think. Oh yeah, they can be nasty. Yeah. Yeah, it's like koala bears. Like you don't Yo, think koala yeah. bears are nasty? No, koala bears they are will, mean. They will scratch your face off. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you learned something today. Thanks for attending Jack Hanna's Animal Adventure podcast <laughs> on Men Who Talk Eel. <laughs> All right. What's so, Jack Hanna doing? Just Google it. For no, me. he Tell got. Didn't after. he get? Uh, was he the Columbus Zoo guy? Was Jack Hanna from the Columbus Zoo? I don't know. He just had the PBS show. Yeah, I think he was Columbus Zoo. Was he? I think he got dementia. 
He has Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. very sick. Yeah, he's very well, sick. Thank so, you for teaching me, Jackie Anna. Also, Zabumafu, rest in peace. I miss you. That's all I got. Okay. All right. Well, did you ever watch Zabumafu? No, I didn't. What? On PBS. Yeah. No, I didn't. Wishbone. I, I didn't get into a lot of PBS shows. No wishbone. No. Arthur. That was it. He's an aardvark. He is an aardvark. Yeah. And his friends are Oh, Magic School Bus. Oh, yeah. Miss Frizzle is the (laughs) best. Miss Frizzle. She would have been fired. Oh, Rizzle. Oh, yeah. A hundred times over by now. Oh, yeah. Child endangerment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But she could pick up 500 pounds like it was nothing. She was yoked. She was good. She was good stuff. Yeah, this has gotten way off track. Yeah, we're way off. What are we talking about today? So... (laughs) Yeah, we should probably get to some actual content since we missed last week. But that was that was wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that conversation. No problem. So, okay, so talked uh, a few weeks ago about how, so I told you I was doing some like um, codependency work, right? Like I was getting yeah. back into doing some reading and some more learning about um, like my, my codependency yeah. and like, um, and for those of you, so if you need a refresher, you can go way back to like the beginning of our podcast, like episode four or something, somewhere around there. We did a whole episode on codependency and it's kind of elementary, right? Um, but, it, but codependency is also like really difficult for some people to understand, especially if it's not something that you're familiar with, familiar with, right? Um, because it's kind of a vast concept, although, um, in this latest round of work I'm I've been doing and especially with this book that I've been reading um it's actually become a lot more applicable to other situations um a lot more so than I thought it was previously like like I used like I would say before I thought that um codependency was really limited to like people who were were close to somebody or cared about somebody who had um, an addiction, right? Mm. But it can be so many other things. It can be somebody who has a severe mental health disorder or somebody who has um, an eating disorder or somebody who has um, a disability or somebody who has, like it can be so many things like where somebody isn't really taking care of themselves or somebody has something that requires another person to be really intimately involved with them and potentially become unhealthily intimately involved Mm -hmm. um, in another person's life. Right. And I know that's, that's vague, but anyways, um, I've been reading this book, um, codependent no more by Melody Beattie. Um, And so um, there was this one concept in the book that I, that was really, um, particularly important to me because it's something I've been struggling with. And then I was like, oh, this is like really interesting in non-codependent world too. And so what it, what it is, it's, it's about being reactionary, right? It's about being a reactionary. And so the reason it comes up in the codependent book is because codependents are frequently, as Melody describes it, a reactionary or reactionary people, meaning as a codependent, um, we are very quick to react to other people's behaviors, feelings, words, whatever, Mm -hmm. right? 
when somebody says something or does something or makes a choice or decision, um, we don't spend a lot of time processing that. We have a we have a feeling or a thought or emotion about that, and the first thing that comes to our mind or the first thing we feel is what we go with, and then we live in that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's not healthy, right? And so what that results in is, as we've talked about before, and it's very basic cognitive behavioral stuff, your thoughts dictate your feelings, which mm-hmm. dictate, excuse me, dictate your actions, right? Yeah. And then dictate an outcome. And so if you're a reactionary and you're very quick to react, then obviously your thoughts and feelings are very quick, then your actions are very quick, and then your outcomes are probably not desirable. Mm-hmm. So where this shows up for me a lot is is all over the, I mean, it's all over the place. Like I allow, and the problem with that, I, so let me back up a little bit. I guess you're the, getting serious because you're shifting around. Yeah, I shift. Seat. Yeah, I shift. Yeah. I'm shifting. So let me back up a minute. So I guess the pro, the big problem with that is it it affects my serenity and peace, right? Yeah. Like by being a reactionary, by being that person that reacts quickly, I allow other people. I put all of my serenity and peace that hinges on the actions of other people. Yeah. Your bubble is not necessarily your own. Right. Yeah. Like I let other people, like if somebody says something to me that I don't like and I'm a reactionary, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to process that. I'm going to go with my first feeling or emotion on that. It's probably going to be negative, which is going to impact my serenity and peace. And then I'm going to react to that. Right. Which means I'm constantly a hundred percent of the time hinging my serenity and peace on other people. I have no, I'm, I'm relinquishing all of that control of my own life and my own serenity and peace to other people by being a reactionary. And you found like, this is, this is true for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, so, so you'll, you'll, you have seen this, Mm -hmm. you've seen this in me play out, right? And it, and it happens totally unintentionally, like you, cause you and I have worked together. Yes. And so we've been in meetings before, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're trying to either decide on something as a team or we're trying to develop something or somebody says something that I don't agree with. Right. Right. How much time passed between when somebody says something that I don't that I didn't agree with and I have to weigh in on whether or not I agreed with that person? Very short amount of time. Very short amount of time. Yeah. Right. There's very little processing time. Mm -hmm. Like I react very quickly. So when so when somebody says something that I don't agree with, like I have forfeited my serenity and peace to what everybody else at the table is saying where the alternative to that is the alternative to that is I could sit back and wait and let it play out and see what happens. Which is what I do, which is what you do. Yeah. Here's the, here's the difference. Well, okay. Well, actually let me ask you, what is the, what is the difference 
between you and I in that situation? What is the key personality trait difference? Like, obviously, I'm a reactionary. You're not. Mm -hmm. But at the root of that, take codependency out of it. Yeah. Right? What, What do you think is the difference between you and I that makes me react a reactionary and you not. I don't know. For me, the first thing that comes to mind is like the, the patience of it all. Like, okay. So there's patience. Yeah. Cause okay. you are a patient human being, but you also like to get things done very quickly. Okay. I'm okay with taking the time to do things. Okay. Um, I would say the second thing is, I need to formulate my own opinion and I'll take things into consideration that other people say, but until I've formulated my own thought on it, I'm not going to say anything, which is hard because I, you know, we've been in situations where people have wanted me to say something right away and that's not who I am. And so I've always been told like, Oh, you should like talk more in meetings. And And I'll say, well, I'm processing everything that everyone's saying. But for me, those are like the only two things. Did you have something else in mind? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and, and when I say it, I think you're going to be like, oh, okay. Because you've, because we've talked about it before and it, it is a key. So it's a key element in codependency because it's, a, it's like kind of the overarching theme for how you start your recovery in codependency, <clears throat> but it's also something you're good at and I'm not. Okay. Is detachment, right? Oh Yeah. It's okay. being able to have a healthy detachment from whatever's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is <clears throat> I want you to <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Allergies you, are bad over yeah, here, guys. It's ragweed season. Um, so thinking about what codependency is, so thinking about what codependency is, as somebody who grew up loving and caring about people – who have an addiction, right? That's my codependency situation, right? Yeah. Growing up, loving and caring about somebody who ha- who has addiction, you become very attached to that situation, right? The problem is it becomes unhealthily attached, right? Yeah. You start to make their problem your problem, right? Mm-hmm. You develop this you become the codependent while you're not addicted to the alcohol. You are their codependent because your, their problem now becomes your problem through this unhealthy attachment that you develop. That's why it's called codependency as I understand it. Right. It's becoming your world. I think people get it twisted. Like people hear codependency and they think, Oh, you have you're you're codependent because you haven't, you are attached to this person. Well, no, you actually really have an unhealthy attachment to the problem. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you are a codependent to the alcoholism, right? Yeah, because if you, you take that away, right, it's just a relationship. Right. Yeah. Or you are a codependent to the mental health disorder. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Because the other person is dependent on on what's happening right you are then also dependent on what is happening right yes that's philosophically how i understand it right Mm -hmm. and i and so as i'm reading and as i'm reading this book that's also how it kind of reinforces that that's kind of how i understand it 
So anyways, you, you develop this, this unhealthy attachment. The thing with codependency is like an addiction or like other things, it doesn't stop. Your codependency doesn't stop within that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, just like in your alcoholism doesn't only affect you in the areas where you drink, right? It affects you in your whole life. So you start to develop or you start to demonstrate these traits outside of the relationship. So this atta- you start to become overly unhealthily attached to everything, mm-hmm. right? So things that you are passionate about. I'm passionate about my work. Right. I'm passionate about things that I sign on to, right? In the work that you and I did together, mm-hmm. I was passionate about the project. Absolutely. Right. And so when I get passionate about things, I become attached to them. And then that attachment becomes compulsive. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what was happening in those situations, looking back, hindsight, right? 2020. Always 2020 hindsight 2020 and now trying to apply those lessons to what's happening in my life now yeah. hindsight's 2020 you go oh okay so cuz i'm all about trying to figure out why was that happening like why was why is this happening and then what do i do about it so so you think okay so i was so if the key is detachment right what was i attached to okay i'm attached to things i care about i'm attached to the project okay I'm attached to the people I work with. In some of those situations, I felt like I was defending the people I work with, mm-hmm. right? I felt like I had I felt like I had a responsibility to defend the people I worked with, which may not and probably was not true, right? Everybody mm-hmm. was adult and could defend themselves. Yeah. But regardless, at the core of that was an attachment, right? Yes. What you're able to do and what I struggle with is detachment. And so when you're able to detach in a healthy way, you can then not be so much of a reactionary, right? Again, going back to the the beginning when we started talking about this, you're supposed to react, right? I'm not I'm not saying that we're not supposed to feel things, right? This yeah. is not about being like Void of, Void of emotion feelings or feeling. emotion. This is not about saying, oh, I'm not supposed to have a reaction to anything. It's about having an informed reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's about having 100% control over what you do with that reaction. My issue is I don't, I don't feel like I have control over the reaction. It just mm-hmm. happens, right? Okay. So when somebody says something that I don't agree with and then I just feel like I all of a sudden immediately feel like I have to jump in and say something and then a week later I'm sit, being sat down having a conversation told, oh, well, you were hostile or you were this or you were that and then yeah. I'm frustrated because I'm going, I just felt like I was doing the right thing or I felt like I had to do that and then I'm like beating myself up going, why is this happening? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but then I'm being told by everybody else that I'm not doing the right thing or that I made people uncomfortable or whatever. What is the problem? It's detachment. Like you're too close yeah. to the problem, right? Okay, so I said a lot. So I obviously yeah. I have more to say. So what so so what are you, what are you so what are you thinking? Accurate. Everything that you've said and described is is spot on. Um I would say you've made you've made progress like in this 
area, there are times when it's it's more um, apparent, like when you are working on projects and when you're working on taking something and taking responsibility, then it becomes harder for you to detach because you created something. And at a certain point when we work in any business, your ideas don't always stay your ideas. They become the, the possession of a bigger thing. And so for me, like I understand that. I understand like I can create something and then someone else is going to take it and run with it. No longer mine. When you create something and someone else wants to take it, you're like, okay, well maybe we can, we can take it together. Like I'm not going to give it fully to you because like this, this is my thing. I created this thing. I want to continue working on this thing because it's, it's mine. And so letting it go for you is the hard part. And when it comes to that creation, that's when it, that's when you become more reactionary. But when it's something that doesn't necessarily affect you on a daily basis and it's not something that is really going to change your day-to-day life, you're much, like, it's much easier for you to detach from things. Yeah. So easiest, easiest example, in a meeting, something that another team is doing that you know about, that you've experienced, they're going to change it. You're like, cool, whatever. No sweat off my back. However, if it was, let me take on this project and figure out how to make it better. If someone wants to change it then, it's almost as though you're taking it personally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like everything that you've said is accurate. Everything, all the examples that you've given, very real, like I was there, accurate. Um, for me, the detachment, and a lot of people have said it, it just looks like you don't care. To an extent, I yeah. don't because I realize there's no point in caring in a certain thing. Um, a lot of work stuff that I do, it's I'm going to do the thing because someone asked me to do the thing or I'm going to create the thing because someone asked me to create the thing. I understand why they're asking for it. I'm going to hand it off to them when I'm done and they're going to make the edits and do whatever they want. I can't, I can't make them see things the way that I see things because they have a different idea. If we've collaborated on something, great. They're going to end up taking it and doing more with it than I am. Right. I'll create whatever I want to create. I'll do whatever they need me to do. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to go home and be like, that project was my, like, was my child. Right. Like, I'm going to defend it with everything. It just doesn't matter. Like, I have the perspective on things of, like, this isn't important. Like, when I leave, it's going to stay there. And I know for you, like, in the work that you do, you can, you can try and leave things at work. However, you're still going to think about it. Yeah. Like you think, you think about work at home. Yeah. Every, everyone does. But when it comes to the area of like, you're helping others and you're trying to figure out how to better help others that can't just stop when you like walk out the door. And so it's hard because you're in a, in a profession where you need to constantly like change and think and create to better, not only the way you help others, but your own professional style. And so it's, it's hard and you're more likely to react to things because of that. But my question to you is how do you feel 
you would go about becoming less reactionary. Yeah. So this is, so this is, you know, something that I've really been working on. I would say like, this has been, I didn't know what to call it until recently, but this has like obviously been a big focus of mine, probably the last nine months or so, eight months or so. Um, And so really it's, the detachment piece is kind of groundbreaking for me um, to just kind of be like, like just, just taking a step back. Like it's not finding that healthy middle ground of like, okay, well what, like what is actually my, like what is my ultimate responsibility here or Mm -hmm. like, and is it really worth that? Like, my p like my peace and serenity has to be priority priority yeah right so my peace and serenity has to be priority and so and it has to be in my control like it it can't be somebody else's it can't hinge on somebody else yeah so you know if somebody does something and i feel anxious or angry or um, cause the other thing that's attached to this a lot of times is like self worth, right? Like if somebody, mm-hmm. if somebody does something and your reaction is a feeling of lowered self worth, like chances are like you're really overly attached to the situation. Yeah. Right. And so like, there's some symptoms there. Right. And so you have to be really mindful and in tune. And that's what I'm trying to do is like really slow these situations down um, and, and look at it, really try to look at it in slow motion. So like if I get an email, right. Um, and it, and that makes it easier, <laughs> like when it's an email or a voicemail and it's, and it's an opportunity to look at it without having to react right away, mm-hmm. that makes it 10 times easier to slow it down. Right? Cause you have time. Cause I have time. No one's right? looking at you and expecting anything. Right. Of you. Yeah. Um, and it's really good training for those situations where it happens in person, right? Yeah. Like, because um, if you can practice it, like for me, I'm I'm practicing it with, you know, when, some, when it happens in an email or a text message or a voicemail or like a non-face-to-face way. Um, and so I'm practicing just like being in tune with like, oh, I feel a reaction coming on um, and really recognizing that and then trying to diagnose it. So just being like, okay, so I feel this reaction. Let's try to figure out um, like, is this, is this an overreaction? Is, am I, am I too closely attached to this? How can I detach from this? Um, Mm -hmm. And, and then going from there, right? And so if I am overly attached, if if that's what I arrive at or whatever, I need to make myself comfortable. Yeah. Right? And so that's so so in the book, right? In the book Melody Beatty, she gives um four steps, right? So she gives four steps and really 
it's what we it's what we've talked about. So it's learning to recognize when you're reacting. It's making yourself comfortable. Then it's the aftercare, right? Examining mm-hmm. what happened, like like really breaking it down, like kind of a post mortem. Like, okay, so what is going on? How can I learn from this? And then um, figuring out what you need to do to take care of yourself. Like, but it's all about slowing it down, right? And then um, for me, I'm understanding that I'm still going to make mistakes. Yeah, and like trying to figure that out. But I think that the detachment piece for me and really understanding this attachment detachment mm. um, is kind of a breakthrough because it's not something that I really understood before. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. When you, when you hear detachment, is it like an all or nothing thing for you? No, I don't think it can, I don't think it can be. Okay. I think there's a it's a middle ground, right? Like I don't think you can be um I don't think you can just totally leave everything behind yeah. and say because you have responsibilities, right? Yeah. Like you can't be like I mean in some stitch in some situations, yes. Right. In some situations, you have to say, nope, that's not in my scope. Right. That's not in my scope of responsibility. And so I'm not going to have a reaction to that. Um, Because there's times, and I'm guilty of this, trying to make things my responsibility when they're not. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yes, there is sometimes an all or nothing, but there's also gray there. Right. There is. And so there's sometimes where you're like, okay, um, there's some middle ground. For example, with my mom, right? Like, you know, there's middle ground there. Like, um, I can't a hundred percent accept responsibility for all of her stuff, Mm -hmm. but also, um, because of stuff going on with her, um, it just doesn't make logical sense that we would just, that I would just turn my back and say, none of this is, my responsibility and I can't have anything to do with it. Right. Like it just, it would be an unsafe situation to do so. So what is the healthy middle ground to keep myself healthy and Mm -hmm. safe and sane? Right. And also keep her healthy and safe and sane. Um, without being again, without being overly attached and putting myself in this situation to develop additional unhealthy habits. Like I think that there is, middle ground there yeah and i know we've talked about this before where it's like you can help someone and then at a certain point if they if they keep going against like what you're trying to do and whatever then you kind of have to let them struggle and i think i think the word we used before was like you have to let them suffer yeah and i know you and i've talked about it where i'm much better at that and so like i can help someone i can say like okay what do you want to work on like you have this issue, like let's focus on making it better. And then if they continually show me that they, they're not taking it seriously or they're doing stuff that goes against it, I will say, okay, like I've tried, you're not. So like I, I have to let you go. If not, I'm going, it's going to take over my life and I'm not going to let that happen. Right. And it's harder when it's something like, with your situation where it's like familial, like you don't want to let that person struggle because you care for that person and you want to see them healthy. And so 
now it's at the point where don't you kind of have to change the expectations and like what you're doing? Cause if you keep doing the same thing, isn't it, it's just going to keep leading back. And like, I, and I'm not going to go further into it, but like I've seen everything that's happened and I've seen like how you like everything that you've done and you've done so much and you're still driving yourself crazy. And so I don't want to see you go insane over this, but at a certain point, and you're going to get to it, you're going to have to change the way things happen, which is good practice because for you to not be a reactionary, you're going to have to sit there and say, I can only do this much. This is in my scope. This is in my purview. I can't do anything else. And that's a certain level of detachment because then you're not taking it on fully. Right. And you're saying this person has to take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility for this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's mostly on them. Right. And so it's the same way. And you do, you do this. You're actually very good at this because it is your job. Like you're a social worker. Like you have to let the, the kids at school, you have to let them do their own thing. You have to let them improve. You can't make them improve. Right. But it's hard when it becomes your personal situation and everything has just changed and you don't want to see this person that you care so much about struggle. So right. it's not that you can't do it. It's that, the situation is much different. Yeah. 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 I think it's, and I think that there's so many, like the situation, the situations are so different. Cause I know that people out there and like the situation that we're talking about is because there's like legalities involved and like, what is, you know, <laughs> you get into like, what are the capacities of the people involved and like what, mm-hmm. you know, so it a lot would of be, variables. Yeah, there's so yeah. many variables because, of course, it would be easier. You know, like I would, it would be so much easier to say, and I've, and I really did. I've tried to say, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with this, and I would much rather just clean my hands of it and walk away because that would yeah. be easier for everybody involved. The problem is, is there's you know different variables that keep you legally involved, yeah. and then so now it's about trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I how do I do this in a way that gets us to a quick resolution and, and keep myself minimally impacts? Me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I know it's not always as clear as clear cut. Um, but you know, we're also talking about in my situation, you know, somebody who's been a codependent for, you know, talking 20 years. So, you know, I've developed these bad habits and these trait, you know, these character defects um, of, you know, being a reactionary and having poor boundaries and, you know, low self-worth at times um, Mm -hmm. and allowing that to, um, you know, force my, or not force myself, but like put myself in a situation to, you know, project my low self-worth on other people in a, in a way that portrays myself as controlling. Like, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of work to be done, um, there. And so then when you're still dealing with the, the core, you know, the core of the problem, like trying to detach from that situation while also do all the work outside of that situation, Mm -hmm. you know, 
it's a lot to do at once. So yeah, um, and they're not defects. Let's call them learning opportunities. Well, no, they are. I mean, that is the term, right? Like in codependency, in codependency, as as a matter of being a codependent, they you they are character defects. Like that that's harsh. that's what they are. You develop these character defects as a result of being a codependent. That's the term that is used, and so it's not it's not that there's anything wrong with you, but that's mm. that's what they are. They're character defects that you develop as a result of being in this situation, um, and they're things that you have to work on and correct so that you can live a healthy and functioning and normal life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's what that's the work that that needs to be done. Mm. Um, and so, you know, detaching from things in a healthy way um, and slowing things down and not being a reactionary um, is is one of those things that needs to be worked on. And even if you're, if you're not a codependent, you know, I, like I said, I thought that this was important to talk about because I think that there's people that probably aren't codependent um, that are also reactionaries by virtue of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the, the things that you can do, if you're, if you find yourself being a reactionary, like chances are you're probably overly attached to the situation that you are being a reactionary in trauma responses. So, I mean, lots um, of things. you know, you can probably do the same work, slow things down and, and try to take a step back and figure out, you know, why you're being a reactionary in those situations um, and give yourself more time to, to do, to really formulate an informed response because what, what you're doing is you're forfeiting you're forfeiting your right to be to have peace and serenity in those situations yeah. and to have a thoughtful informed response in those situations and you're just going with your first gut reaction which is typically not a healthy one yeah um so just things to consider yeah. um because we're not humans are not subject to the laws of physics unless you're talking about your bo- your physical body in a car accident you know for every reaction there is not an equal and opposite mm-hmm. reaction so um unless you're doing the rock johnson or something right yeah i mean and, that emotions are not subject to the laws of physics yeah. so just keep that in mind yeah okay you got anything else no all right, solid 45 solid 45 minutes solid 45 thank minutes. you for sharing by the no, way no thank you for listening i Sitting right across from you. It'd be awkward if I didn't. It would be weird. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have a good show. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Men Who Talk Heal. Make sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website, www.menwhotalkheal.com. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to our show on whichever platform you prefer. That way, you never miss the show. If you found this episode helpful, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Facebook. Same time, same place next week for another great conversation. Until then, Zach and Brandon remind you to take it one day at a time.